If you're like me, you care about getting the most from your workouts, which means wearing the finest performance gear. You know, fabric that dries quickly and has superior moisture wicking properties. Fabric so soft and comfortable, you could, well, curl up and sleep in it. Introducing Sheeks, spelled S-H-E-E-X, the world's first performance bedding line. Sheeks began when two former elite athletes and coaches had an aha moment, combining everything we love about quality performance fabric with everything we love about comfortable, irresistible bedding. Unlike traditional sheets that trap heat, sheets are breathable, so you aren't constantly waking up to throw off covers or add a blanket. So you sleep deeper, longer, and better. And sheets bedding looks as good as it feels. Colors and styles that can match any decor at a price that will pleasantly surprise you. And right now, you can try sheets for 30 nights risk-free. Just go to sleepcoolnow.com. Use promo code 1212 and get $40 off any sheet set. That's sleepcoolnow.com promo code 1212. Sleepcoolnow.com, 1212. This is our number three for the World According to Zig podcast for this September 3rd, 2017. My name is John Ziegler. I am the host of this show where you can still get the truth about news, politics, media, sports, and culture from a true conservative perspective in this world turned upside down. This being Labor Day weekend and because of the fact that we took off last week and a number of other reasons, we're giving you a bonus hour number three, which I'm really looking forward to. And part of the reason for that is that Labor Day weekend has essentially become the now official start of football season, college football, in full swing this particular weekend. And this upcoming weekend will be start the start of the National Football League season. And uh, there's really only one guy that I would want to speak to that I know personally about football and issues related to football. And that is uh, Franco Harris. He is a NFL Hall of Famer, Pro Football Hall of Famer, a four-time Super Bowl champion, a Super Bowl MVP. He's also the guy probably most well-known for being the most integral part of the most famous play in the history of the National Football League, the Immaculate Reception, which was, oddly enough, back in 1972 in a divisional playoff game. It wasn't even a championship game, but to this day it's still voted time and time again the most famous play in the history of the NFL. Franco and I have gotten to know each other quite well over the last five years because of our work together on behalf of the truth and the so-called Penn State scandal. Franco Harris was by far the most well-known celebrity, uh, legend, what have you, football player who also went to Penn State who stood up for Joe Paterno. And Franco starred in my documentary film, The Framing of Joe Paterno, and we've gotten to know each other exceedingly well during that time period. And because this was Labor Day weekend and we haven't spoken to him for a while, and I wanted to talk a little bit about football, a little bit of an update on the Penn State case, also about uh, some issues related to the game of football, including the whole Colin Kaepernick situation and concussions. So I figured Labor Day weekend was an excellent time to do that, and he has... Uh, very uh, generously agreed to participate. So uh, let's do that now. So Franco Harris, National Football League uh, Hall of Famer, Pro Football Hall of Famer, four-time Super Bowl champion, Super Bowl MVP, and one of the very few celebrities I have a lot of respect for. Welcome back to the podcast. 
Thank you, John. Nice to nice to be with you today. Always great on to Labor Day weekend. <laughs> well, oh, well, it's you know Labor Day is now basically the official start of football season, and that's one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on since we hadn't talked in a while. And uh, you know, football has been obviously a huge part of your life. You spend an enormous portion of the fall and winter attending uh, football games. Your alma mater, Penn State, and of course the Pittsburgh Steelers, where you became a legend. Do you still get as excited this time of year as you always have for football? John, I have to admit I was glued to the TV yesterday. (laughs) (laughs) Now that doesn't happen every weekend, but, uh, but I, but I do enjoy the start of the weekend. And, uh, and this weekend, which is quite interesting that uh, college football has, Every day, I think they started Thursday night, right? This week, right? So Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then today, and then even Monday night. I said, "Wow!" So, so this whole Labor Day weekend is nothing but college football, and I think it's great. I am enjoying it. And your alma mater, Penn State, is uh, obviously off to a tremendous start. You know that Saquon Barkley. He looks like he might even be better than you, Franco. Um, hey, there's it- no doubt about that. <laughs> He, you know what? He's the real deal. Yeah, he he could he, be he could be the Heisman Trophy winner this year. And oh my gosh, he, and, and and you know what? And 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 not only are these guys great football players and they're doing great academically, but they have great character. You know what I mean? And 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 that's what really makes you feel good when you know that. That this is a team of just really good players, but with good character, good guys. It just makes you uh, makes you feel good that that you can combine all those qualities. You know what I mean? Well, Franco, you know, obviously, you and I have gotten to know each other over the last several years because of the whole so-called Penn State scandal and our our battle for the truth there. And, and one of the things that I've been most baffled by in all this is that when I look at how Penn State as an institution, handled this whole thing. I give, like, at best, an F uh, to virtually every aspect of the university, except the football team, which has performed insanely well. I mean, if you had told me... The wrestling it, team, the hockey team... Okay, but I mean... Well, they weren't really directly involved, but you know... Right, right, right. right, right, right. But, but, but when you look at those directly involved in this whole thing, if you had told me five years ago that Penn State would be coming off almost winning the Rose Bowl be ranked sixth in the country and have a legitimate Heisman Trophy candidate as we start the 2017 season, I would have told you you were nuts. How, why is it that the football team has been able to perform so much better than the rest of the university as an institution in response to this? Well, John, I think there's just a lot of intangible things that that we just can't explain. Uh, when I uh, tell people that, look, the five years that we were on probation never had a losing season. You know how incredible that is? It's insane. When it, 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 it's so unbelievable that, that when, when Bill O'Brien came in and he, you know, I can't, I can't thank him enough. He was that right coach during that transition time and just in his demeanor and and how he was, and but what really struck me was that still 
some of the top quality players in the country still decided to come to Penn State, mm-hmm. even while we were unsanctioned. I'm saying this is this is incredible, and so so like the legacy that that was built, you know the the meaning of Penn State that has been there, you know from you know you know from Joe to the coaches, from the players that have gone through there. That really seems to mean something that that through all this and all this turmoil and all these these things that was happening that were happening that they still came to Penn State and we did not have a losing season. As I said, it's just un It is incredible from a football standpoint and as a football fan who who did not go to Penn State, has no connection to Penn State, I'm amazed by by that what I see is kind of a disconnect. And, And speaking of that disconnect, I'm curious, Franco, how is it that you have maintained your passion for the institution, for Penn State, for the football team, knowing that the rest of the university has failed so miserably and seeing what was done to your coach, Joe Paterno, and to the administrators who you and I both know to be totally innocent in this, having everybody thrown under the bus. See, to me, I would have a very difficult time still having love and admiration and passion for for my university if they did that to somebody that I knew well and I loved and had admiration for and after 61 years of what Joe Paterno did for that university destroying him the way that the university did and allowed to happen how is it that you've been able to to differentiate those passions and and, and maintain it for Penn State while that was still going on no no uh like I think you know some of the answer and when you go back to that first upon further review. I'm not sure if you can remember back then. I sure do. By the way, for those who don't know, upon further review is a series of public events that you hosted to try to get to the truth of this whole so-called Penn State scandal. And this was our first one, and you were kind enough to come to our first one. And when when you look at the turnout that we have, because... We had no idea who was going to show up or how it was going to go over. And and I think all of us were, I mean, just completely surprised of interest of Penn Staters coming out and, and, and now getting involved. And, and so it was the Penn State alumni, the people, John. That's what has really been my inspiration, and you know, and and so you make you make a so you make a differentiation differentiation between the university and uh, the the people the alumni, uh, the alumni and the people of Penn State. Absolutely, there is a huge difference, and and like I think you have a feel for the alumni, mm-hmm. and. And and it has brought us together. I have met people. Well, I wouldn't have met you. Right. You know, like I've had so many people. That for better I've or met. for worse, right? <laughs> <laughs> We're better for better. And and and, uh, and like all along the way, we've met great people. And you know what? And even to to today, John, they've never given up. 
and 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 so the whole thing was to educate Penn Staters and to and to let them know. And I think that through that knowledge and education, that it made a world of difference. And uh, and 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 like as you know, that we will continue fighting. You know, and never stop. Well, uh, let's talk about the fight because, you know, w- something happened that was very dramatic since the last time you and I spoke on the record. We've spoken many times, obviously, in private, but we haven't interviewed you since the Graham Spanier trial occurred in, in the spring. Graham Spanier, the former president of Penn State uh, and, uh, and a guy who I know both of us like and have admiration for, uh, he was ended up being convicted of a misdemeanor, not of a felony, involved with the whole so-called Jerry Sandusky scandal. You and I both attended that trial. And I'm curious, Franco, could could you give us a sense of the the nature of the prosecution's case in comparison to what you might have been expecting? Because I've, I have felt time and time again, I keep waiting. The other side must have something. And every time they have an opportunity to show us that they have something, it's actually worse or more pathetic than than my worst possible anticipations. Did you have the same experience? John, they had this secret witness who was guarded by a thousand police to take <laughs> the stand. <laughs> and and uh but you know what? You're absolutely right. It was it was a farce, it was staged. When I think about that, and I, and so when the verdict came, I said, "Well, you know what? This is the second best verdict we could have had. The best one would have been everything thrown out in acquittal. Right. But I felt this was the second best verdict we could ever have, and they took it like it was a victory for them. Right. And and uh, then the judge to give them six months jail time. That was. So ridiculous, and 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 so once again, you know, we just see the system at work, the political system at uh, at work here with the attorney with the attorney general's office. No, that was that was a farce. And just as you were saying that in the trial, there was they showed nothing. They had nothing. It, it was all an emotional appeal right. to the jury. Exactly. And, and and the whole emotion of kids, and, and they tried to really sell that, and I guess it worked some because I was hoping they would come back and throw everything out, but my feeling is when they went in there, they had to have some compromise. So, mm-hmm. so they came with these misdemeanors, but, you know, but with no collusion, no nothing to it. I mean, and and I'm and I'm saying to myself, okay, well that's, you know, you know that's, you know, uh, you know I said the second best we could get. So I don't think there should be any jail time with this or anything like that. And 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 like this judge was just ridiculous. And uh, but the attorney general's office tried to make it, you know, in their news conference following like. They had this big victory that uh, uh, that you know these guys were found guilty 
all this, but you know, but and of course the media lapped it up. I mean, the media is so dumb they lapped it up, and they've already right. bought into that narrative. So anything that substantiates their their fairy tale narrative, uh, they embrace. Uh, now, now, Franco, many people I know who, who attended the, that trial, the Span- the Spanish trial, not only left being totally convinced of the the administrator's innocence, but many also had even more questions about whether Jerry Sandusky himself is really guilty after seeing that so-called secret witness that uh, you referenced. Did you have a similar reaction to what you saw that day? Oh, you know, you know what I mean? There will always be questions about that because a lot of them weren't even vetted. And, uh, and, and, and you know, well, like I want to say in reference to Penn State, because uh, I guess I relate everything to Penn State, and uh, and you know, because Penn State ended up paying all the money, right? Right, hundred million dollars. And and uh, and Penn State didn't even take the time to vet anyone. And and you know, I do have a problem with some of the testimony, especially the one that. Went back, I think, to 1976 or 19, you know, around that right, time. Right. And that phone call, I really have a a uh, issue uh, issue issue with that one. But that's a whole other uh, side of the story. And, uh, well, and, it's uh, an important side okay. of the story. One because there's a man in, in prison who didn't get a fair trial, and I think you you would agree with that, uh, regardless of whether he's guilty or innocent. I, I happen to believe that he's innocent. But uh, I, I and I also think that there's really no chance of us ever reopening the larger case against Penn State and Joe Paterno unless there is a new trial for Jerry Sandusky. Franco, I know that you have read at least part of a book that's about to come out uh, on whether or not Jerry Sandusky might actually be innocent. I'm curious if you could give us your impressions of what you've read so far in that book. Well, I've, I've read the first uh, uh few chapters I haven't gotten uh, past that but but I am going to read it all and uh, a lot of interesting information in there and uh, and you have to take this information and and some of the information does make you question some things um, but um, I can't verify a lot of stuff but uh, but at this author author it looks like he did his homework, and, uh, and and it definitely would make you uh, uh, question some things. Well, make sure you get to the chapter on me, because that's the most important chapter in the book. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Um, now, I'm going to go right to that one. Uh, last, last question on the whole Penn State thing before we move on to larger uh, issues involving uh, football. I, I told you I wanted to ask you whether or not we've lost this war, and I knew you were going to object to that question. Because you don't give up. I mean, after all, you're the guy who caught the immaculate reception. You're the ultimate optimist. There's never any reason to say it's over until it's officially over. Uh, I'm, as I've said many times in our strange tandem, I'm the pessimist. And, you know, just this week, Franco, I don't know if you know about this, but there was a poll that came out that showed that as many people, or actually more people, are against the Joe Paterno statue nationwide than they are for a statue of Robert E. Lee. And that uh, and the same number of people are against the Joe Paterno statue as for Jefferson Davis, the former president of the Confederacy. Uh, 
Uh, also, I, I, there was a story uh, on Facebook this week that a, I think it was a kindergarten teacher got told to, to put, take down a quote in her classroom by Joe Paterno uh, simply because of the whole scandal. Anthony Scaramucci, uh, a month or so ago at the White House, quoted Joe Paterno about honor, and he got destroyed for doing that. To me, these are all signs that barring an immaculate reception-type event, and despite our best efforts, we've lost. Why am I wrong? Oh, you're long by a long shot there, uh, John. It uh, definitely uh, isn't over. First of all, um, that uh, when, when the news broke about Jerry and the allegations against Jerry, that never should have led to the firing of Joe Paterno. Right. Never. I'm, Correct. Like, I mean, there shouldn't have, there should not have been any, any connection whatsoever. But we know why certain connections happen, and, and certain connections caused by who. Right. And 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 so the whole thing is that we have to get the story out, and. Now, the upon further reviews that we had, we we want to educate Penn Staters, and and educating Penn Staters that made a huge difference when they when they got information, they saw the information, they understood the information, and and now we have to get the information out. To the broader public, and 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 out to the public, and and now with this HBO movie coming out, uh, once again this is going to stir, and so there are things that we're going to have to do mm-hmm. now to since it's going to come up again. There are things that we're going to have to do mm-hmm. to really get our side of the story out, and. That's going to be very, very important that we get our side of the story out. And I agree with you, Franco. And to be clear, and I think you know this, I, I don't give up. I, I never give up. I'm. I'm, I'm well, gonna, I know that. I'm, I know that. That's I'm going to be the. I'm going to be the last guy taken off the field on this thing. All right. Uh, but I, I'm also, uh, you know, cognizant of reality, and um, and it, and, it, and we definitely need an immaculate reception, or maybe two. Uh, for, for this thing to turn around, hey, hey, hey John, it's all about information. You know what I mean, and and and, and getting the right information and right. having access to information because, just as you know, when you know when people start to see and take it in, they get it. Oh, absolutely! And, no, no, you're a hundred percent right about that, Franco. If we had, if we had ever had a fair fight. On the on on debate and information, we would win it every time. The facts are a hundred percent on our side. Logic is people do get it. In fact, it's incredibly easy. I found uh, to be to convince people of what really happened as as opposed to the media myth on this. But um, you know, you know, as you know, I've tried very very hard, and I thought it was close to getting a major documentary made about this, still trying on that front. But uh, people are very cowardly on this issue. It's still very toxic. And, um, you know, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a very, very – if we ever do win this, Franco, you're going to have to live a long, long time. You're going to have to really take care of yourself because it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a long well, time. Well, 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 John, I'm, 
I'm eating my blueberries this morning, so right. Right. so you know, like I'm staying on it. Well, there you but, go. <laughs> uh, but, but but like also, I want to mention that uh, interesting to hear on the uh, on the uh, on the football program yesterday when they talked about uh, uh, about the playoff last year, right? And uh, and and about how Penn State should have been in in that playoff series and not Ohio State. I think even Urban Myers right. came out. So, you know, so to me, that was big. But it's after the fact, mm-hmm. okay, uh, that they're now saying this because the committee that did the selection, there was no doubt it was political and they didn't want Penn State in that Final Four. Uh, From a PR so, standpoint, I think you're probably right. I think that, you know, if, if, since it was a very close call, I think they probably decided, you know what, this is probably more controversy than we need. And, you know, Penn State's brand is still a bit toxic. Let's go with Ohio State. I think that played a role. Think, I don't think it was a close call. Yeah. Uh, you know, when you look at it, yeah. where they use the excuse, well, Penn State lost two games and uh, – right. Our state lost one. What you know? All last year I said that is so stupid <laughs> because because first of all that doesn't matter if you lose two games. We lost them two in the beginning of the season. That doesn't matter. Right. But then we beat Ohio State head to head, and that's how you really tell you know when you play someone head to head on the football field, and then we end up winning the Big Ten championship. I got it. And, I and, got and, it. And, and so when you look at all that. <laughs> And they still voted for that was so ridiculous. But now they put themselves in a bind yeah. because if they don't have a process for who goes to that bowl game, then there's going to be big issues if it gets political like that again. Because now people are going to choose because of political reasons. Right. Now Penn State had that happen. Well, it happened to us, and I'm going to say us because it happened back in your so day. Part of that team, right? Right. Back in 1969, when Richard Nixon got involved, right, and so it got political then. And I feel we should have been national champions. And I felt we had a, you know, it would it would have been tough last year, but I, I would have loved to seen our guys vying for the national championship. And uh, by the way, but once, Richard, but once again, Richard, on a political matter, you know, you know, politically, that committee uh, did not choose Penn State. I think it was all political. And, and like, I know these football guys are trying to get that out, trying to get that out of the committee, you know, that, hey, hey guys, this can't be political. Things uh, are decided on the field. Franco, get out of it. Franco, Richard Nixon taking away the national championship from your team back in 69, that's not the reason you're a Democrat, is it? <laughs> you, know, you know what, John, maybe subliminally, maybe <laughs> it is. You know that? All right. All right now, I never thought about that, but now, you know what? You know what? You know what? That might be. All right. Now, real quick, you already mentioned the the, the blueberries that you eat, and I know that you weren't kidding about that. And uh, and the reason for that is because of this fear of of I, I don't guess po- the, the concussion effect. Right. I don't know what you want to call it, but yeah, the concussion effect. Having played uh, football as long as you did, uh, that there's a theory that the, that eating blueberries helps with the brain development. And you know, healing, this, healing of the brain. Yeah. Okay, so this is a huge issue uh, in football in general. Uh, it, to me, it's changing the game. 
it impacted your teams of the Pittsburgh Steelers in the 70s in such a dramatic way that you guys were the focus of that whole Will Smith concussion movie. Uh, I know guys that were very, very close to you ended up uh, dying, at least in part, because of this. So I, you, this is an issue that is you, know, li- you deal with literally on a day-to-day basis. What, what do you make of the way football is changing because of this concussion issue? Well, John, they're definitely making some rule changes and and practice technique changes. And uh, like I always thought that uh, a lot of the damage was done during practice uh, because if you think about it, we only play, well, back in our day, it was 14 games, right? Right. So, so it'd be 14 games they were on the field, and uh, and so we're on there, say, half the time on offense, half the time on defense. So if you think about that, you know, it's not all that many games, but then when you think of training camp, every day hitting, every day headbutts, every day these guys, and especially the linemen, they were going at it. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then during the football season, uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, you know, Tuesday, uh, well, no, Wednesday, Thursday, Wednesday and Thursday they would go at it, and even on Fridays uh, they would go at it. So, so they're headbutting, doing you know, doing that play during the week, three times a week. So. So I was glad to see when they made adjustments in that, and uh, and 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 I feel that 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 should help. So I was I was glad to see where they uh, and look, have so many days they can be in pads on the year and all that and all that kind of stuff. Franco, it's obviously a very important issue because no one wants people to be brain damaged, but there there are also repercussions to the game. Uh, when I look at the way the game has changed, and not so much at the pro level yet, but definitely at college and 100% at high school. I don't know if you've gone to a high school game recently. No, but, I haven't. But it's, no. it's, it's basically like going to a track meet where they're wearing pads, and it's like rough two-hand touch. And I'm talking about high levels of high school football. And eventually, to me, this is going to work its way up filter its way up, maybe not all the way to the NFL, because obviously we're talking about a very small number of people who play in the National Football League. But do you and, and, the, and the fellow legends that you hang out with at Hall of Fame weekend and, and you know, when you go to Steelers games and whatever, do you guys worry at all about what's happening to the game and whether or not it's becoming a different game than the one that you played? Well, I mean, we do talk about the, uh, um, the level of play. And, uh, and 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 like I guess uh, some of us say, well, when you really have form tackling and things like that, uh, and and like even running, you know, like before, it was all your shoulder, mm-hmm. right? You know what I mean? You know, it it wasn't your head. It wasn't stick your head in there. And everybody knows that once they have the face mask and 
and that started to happen. Now everybody's saying, stick your face in there, stick your face in there. And But now they're trying to get back to the form tackling of do it without your head and and have it with your you know with your body and your shoulder and and like with your arm now but do you now, do you believe then, franco then, that the, then, do you then, believe then, the game has changed franco has it changed dramatically since since the the what many people consider the glory days that you played uh, in the 70s yeah like i think the physicality of the game has has changed some no doubt about it um but like as you said can can you know can they find the right balance right of 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 having well like i guess john i guess we're talking about will there be any more of those highlight hits that we all say whoa you know right uh, um, i'm always back, struck i'm struck franco i'm struck franco in fact i i uh, i think i told you about this I, I watched the, the Super Bowl highlight film of the Super Bowl. You were the MVP when you guys beat the Vikings uh, in, in New Orleans. And there were a couple of major plays in that game that would be not only illegal, but people would have been kicked out of the game for today. Oh, 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 oh there were many, many <laughs> of those back, back in the day. I mean, all the time. But uh, and you know, I I grew up thinking, wow, that Franco Harris, he runs out of bounds all the time. What a wimp! You were the smartest guy in the league. You, you, know. you were. I mean, well, and and and, and also I had it. Those, those guys weren't allowed to hit me during practice, even though they, <laughs> even though they wanted to. Was that part of your contract? <laughs> yeah, that, don't even think about it. I tell those guys, don't even think about it. You were but, the uh, hey, look. It, in the end, you were the smart guy. You ended up with four Super Bowl rings and a Super Bowl MVP, and you still got your wits about you. I mean, it's amazing. Yeah, but we know things can change at any time like that, and 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 like to say that any player shouldn't be concerned really shouldn't. No, like I had one really bad concussion, and and you know your days, you know so many times you can't even count. Uh, so that's why 17 years ago, I decided to be proactive and go the nutraceutical route, to where you know fish oil, blueberries, change my diet, and all that sort of stuff. But that was 17 years ago. Well, I, decided, I decided to be proactive, and uh, well, to me it's worked. Although I know your wife Dana is on the fence as to whether or not it's really working or not. <laughs> I know you're on the fence too, John. <laughs> <laughs> All right, real, real quick, a couple, couple more questions. Uh, the biggest issue uh, politically in this NFL season has been the treatment of uh, former quarterback, I guess you call him former quarterback now, Colin Kaepernick, and whether or not he's being blackballed by the NFL because of his protests during the national anthem uh, over, I guess, uh, his concerns over police abuse. Uh, I know that um, a guy you have a lot of respect for, Jim Brown, has criticized uh, Colin pa- Kaepernick for what he chose to do. What is Franco Harris's assessment of the Colin Kaepernick issue? Well, this has been my position from the start that uh, uh, you know that we always uh, you know you know sure we have uh, certain social issues that we'll always be dealing with, but that. Uh, but that you stand for the flag, and and that we're all behind 
the flag. Now, if if someone has certain stance that they want to take, I mean, that's fine. But if 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 Cohen felt that he wanted to make a point, which is fine, which is his right to get involved with any position organization that he really wants, but when he puts on that suit, when he steps out on that field, now it's more than just him. It's his teammates, it's the NFL, and it's the fans. And and when he puts that suit on, it is not just about him and his position and the things that he wants to back and he wants to believe in uh, because the team has to has to come first. And uh, uh, if he wants to make statements, take a position, then that's fine. Absolutely. Go do that. But there's no reason why you couldn't do it after practice, uh, you know, with a... Uh, on another platform than doing it with his suit on and at the stadium. So you're basically uh, saying it's the wrong time and place to make that kind of protest, to bring the flag into it, the national anthem. Uh, and, 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 and also to bring his team into it, his teammates, and the NFL. You know, because, uh, you know, this is, you know, that was his personal position that he wanted, you know, he wanted to take. And there's many platforms he could have just gone and done it. Right. You know, he could have gone do it anywhere else, and no one would have said anything. And, uh, you know, which is fine, because, uh, you know, go and do it. We have no issues with with him doing that. But I said, once he put on that suit, once he stepped on that field, now that represents more. Right, more more than him. Well, well, Franco, you you played obviously in the '70s with the Steelers during a pretty rebellious time in society. Oh, I, late '60s at college. Oh, psh, right, man, crazy. <laughs> but I'm I'm curious. So, to, so tell me if you had decided at either Penn State or with the Steelers, how would Joe? If you said that, hey, Coach Joe Paterno or Coach Chuck Knoll, hey, I'm going to sit down during the national anthem as a form of protest, what would Joe Paterno or Chuck Knoll have said to Franco Harris? Well, um, with Joe, I mean, Joe you know, had to, uh, you know, had to address those issues. And, uh, and, and so Joe told the team, he said, look, you guys are in college. And, you know, it, and 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 this is supposed to be an experience, and you know, and you grow in many ways. It says now they have, they could have protests, they could have uh, uh, sit-ins, you know, they could have ladies burn right. their bras, or you know, like whatever, <laughs> and and. and uh, and 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 he said, "Hey, look, you know, 
I'm not telling you not to go and see what things are about, to learn about things, but don't do anything to embarrass your teammates or our football program. And, uh, you know, so, you know, go do and experience what you want to experience, but always remember about your team, you know, your teammates and your football program. And, you know, and I'm like a sophomore and stuff in 69 and all that stuff. And I, I said, wow, you know, so I went to lectures, you know, uh, uh, especially after the, uh, you know, Kent State mm-hmm. shooting. Right. I thought that was one of the worst tragedies in our country. Right. Uh, Kent State. And, and you, you know, I mean, you know, students took over the old main building. Uh, now, you know, I wouldn't do that, but I, but I did go on the porch right. to see what was going on, and uh, and I would go to other things. Uh, well, how about as a professional, what, though, Franco? What, what what would Chuck Knoll have said to you when you were at the Steelers if you said, hey, hey, Coach, I'm just going to sit down during the National Anthem? What would Chuck Knoll have said? No, like, I don't think it would have been been Chuck, you know. Like, I think that uh, there would have been two guys on our team, you know, like just like James Harrison takes care of it today. Right. You know, he told God, hey, blah, blah, blah. You know, <laughs> so, so I, like I tell guys, we had. So the players would have taken two care of it. You know, we had two of the meanest guys in football who I think would have dealt with it that way. And, and that would have been Joe Green and Jack Lambert. And, uh, and, and, you know, so, so but, that would have been the but, end of it. That would have <laughs> yeah, but you know, like as I said though, that you know, you know, hey, a lot of guys. We did a lot of community work. Did a lot of, a lot of things, and and there's a lot of other ways to do it. Is what you're saying? Right. We don't. You know, it's you know, we don't take it to the locker room. Right. You know I got you. I mean? All right. And. Yeah. I hear you. No, I think it's a, it's an interesting, good answer. All right, last question for you, Franco. Um, you know, your life fascinates me uh, for a number of reasons, um, one of which is, I don't even know if you even realize this, but because of the fact that you, you are so well-known for the Immaculate Reception and you, because you won four Super Bowl uh, rings, do you realize that you have celebrated a major anniversary in every year, not ending in a one or a six for, since since your playing days, so like every year, there's a major anniversary of something that you get to celebrate from your past. Like this year is going to be the 45th anniversary of the Immaculate Reception. So, my I guess my question to you is: Are you happy? Because if you're not a happy guy, I- I'm going to give up because I don't know who the hell could possibly be happy. Is Franco Harris happy? Have you? <laughs> are you a happy guy? Oh well, like I well, like I think you know that that. That I am, and I'm a very positive guy. Very, and and and, uh, and 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 that question is absolutely. And uh, now, one thing that we did while you know doing the Super Bowls and Pro Bowls, we said, "Hey, let's you know, let's make sure we enjoy these times, even though we were in it." You know what I mean? Uh, and so we would do dinners and do different things like that. And a lot of times I would, you know, set them up and have dinners and stuff like that. And uh, and 
even with the immaculate reception, you know, I, at the 20th anniversary, had a big dinner, 25th anniversary, the 30th, <laughs> and like the 40th, we had a huge one, you know, 40th anniversary, you know, but we, we brought Phil Villapiano in from the Raiders and thanked him for covering me and not doing a good job, not doing a good job for that, and, uh, and, and so we had a lot of fun, and, and like, now, starting this year, I want to celebrate the Immaculate Reception with my teammates every year, you know, because we're too old to have every five years now. Oh. Uh, so starting this year, we're going to have it uh, every year. Wow. You know, God willing. And, uh, and you know, and, and, and just other things that, We'd like to. Get well, that must start. be awesome to be have, having that to look forward to every fall. I mean, it, I, I joke with my wife that Franco's entering his season of being Franco Harris now because cause every fall you you go to all these games and you got to be Franco Harris and it, uh, it it's like you have your own season. It's 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 remarkable and I, I hope I hope it's as much fun as it seems like it should be. Oh yeah, and um, but what is surprising is that uh, you you would think that. It would slow down. People asking for things, doing this and doing that, but it hasn't. You know, it even looks yeah. like it's even more, which is quite surprising. You know why I think that is, Franco? I, I think it's because people long for that era. I, I, it, I, I really think that that was a very special era that is never coming back, and I think people well, and I think and, people and, know it. And, and like especially for Pittsburgh, I mean. Yeah. You know, the first 40 years from 1933 to 1971, they were the worst team in NFL history. Right. The worst. And since then, you know, when we started winning in 1972, it has never been the same. It has been incredible. But you look at it, you know, also I've been very fortunate, right? You know, I went to a... I was fortunate that, you know, that my dad being a career man in the Army, that I was born on Fort Dix in 1950, and he didn't retire until like 66, but was never transferred. And so I was able to grow up in one town, one school system. Mm. Now, you know how odd that is for military? Impossible. Yeah. It is impossible. And I said, man, this is like un heard of and had a great school system great high school and because of that I was able to go play under the great Joe Paterno we had you know great Penn State teams and then from there to the Steelers and who would have thought that the 70s would have happened in this I mean that was the furthest thing from anybody's mind or imagination that the Steelers were going to do anything, and and just as you said earlier, the seventies were incredible, and it was such a run that you know was beyond any of our wildest dreams, and but because of that, you know, you know, a lot of the guys we still enjoy it, and uh, and you know, a lot of us have continued to have good fortune afterwards. And uh, 
I continue to keep busy and do things. So yeah, I've been very fortunate. Well, Franco, thanks as always for your time. It's always uh, fascinating to talk to you, and uh, and thanks so much for for everything you've done uh, on the effort for the truth on the Penn State situation. And obviously, we'll we'll keep in touch. But I just wanted to touch base with you as we start off another football season. And so, um, enjoy Franco season. Thanks, man. I tell you what, no, this is going to be exciting. But you know, because the whole thing with the Steelers, whole thing with Penn State, it does keep me busy. <laughs> and, uh, but also. Luckily, it's exciting. Now, come on. Was last year at Penn State exciting? Oh, I, I, it was incredible. And and it looks like it could be just as incredible this year it for you guys. It so. was incredible because right. there's no expectations. And now this year, expectations. But you know what? It's still going to be a great a great run and a great ride. Well, yeah. um, one last thing real quick. I, I, I know you're going to the pit game this weekend, and my understanding is that the Washington Post reporter that's been doing the the very extensive uh, feature on how Penn State uh, and people like yourself have handled the, the whole aftermath of the scandal. Uh, he's going to interview you again this weekend. Is that right? Is that is that is that happening? Yeah, that's what I've been told. That I scheduled to meet with him on Friday. Okay, well, knock his socks off for us, will you? You know, so hey, we're going to keep going, John. You know All that. All right, thanks, Franco. Have a okay. good have a good night. All right, John. All right, that's uh, Franco Harris. Pro Football Hall of Famer, four-time Super Bowl champion, Super Bowl MVP, and, and really uh, one of the very few celebrities for whom I have uh, a great deal of respect. Uh, I've gotten to know a lot of, not a ton, but pretty, more than my share of celebrities in my career. And Franco is, to my, to my knowledge, the best guy. Uh, because, And you know why I feel confident in saying that? Because oftentimes you, you meet people in certain settings where – they come off as being a good person, and at least it's at least partially an act. But in this circumstance, which happens in my life a lot, I don't know if you picked up on this, but usually a relationship with John Ziegler is a test. <laughs> There's, it's not like an easy road. There's gonna there are gonna be moments where if there's something amiss, it's going to become evident. <laughs> there's gonna be it's gonna be tested, is what I'm trying to say. And so when you're in a foxhole with somebody, you really figure out very quickly what they're all about. You know, in a foxhole or on the golf course. Franco keeps claiming he's going to get me on the golf course, but I think he's dodging me. But we've been in a proverbial metaphorical foxhole together for the last several years. And uh, I have an enormous amount of respect for, for Franco Harris because he's one of the very few people, kind of like where with Glenn Beck and Donald Trump, you know, he actually put skin in the game and lost skin in the game because of his stance on Donald Trump. Franco's the only guy who really had a lot to lose, and trust me, he has a lot to lose with regard to his stance on Joe Paterno and, and the real story of the Penn State scandal and, and you know, trying to fight against a avalanche of toxic, negative, inaccurate media coverage for a guy who he didn't even really like when he was at Penn State. That's the most amazing thing. He and Joe Paterno didn't get along that well. But it's amazing how often that happens in life where the teachers that you you maybe even had a little disdain for, later on you go, oh, wow, I am where I am because of what they taught me or how they treated me. And that's why he's been loyal to Joe Paterno. And he's put it all on the line. I mean, here's a guy who when you go through the Pittsburgh International Airport, This is the best Franco Harris story there is. When you go through the Pittsburgh International Airport, you are forced 
as you go to baggage claim to pass two statues that are right next to each other. One is George Washington. The other is Franco Harris catching the Immaculate Reception. And I can guarantee you the Franco Harris statue gets a lot more pictures and a lot more attention than the George Washington statue. So there's a guy who has an enormous amount to lose in stature and everything else. And he doesn't care because he believes in right and wrong. But he does it in a far, far more graceful way than I do. (laughs) That's what's so interesting about, uh, to me at least, our our relationship. Because we could not be more different in every possible way. He's the optimist. I'm the pessimist. uh, He's the charmer. I'm I'm the, you know, aggressive guy no one likes. Uh, He's loved by everybody. I'm Mr. Unpopular. He's a celebrity. I'm a nobody. Uh, he's black. I'm white. Uh, you know, you know. I, there's really he's an athlete. I'm. I never played a down of real football in my entire life. Although oddly enough, I've coached it uh, several different times on the high school level. But uh, we couldn't be more different personality wise. But uh, it's an interesting relationship. One uh, for the very few that that I do cherish. And I hope you enjoyed that interview as much as I did because I doubt you'll hear that uh, kind of an interview, which is really what this podcast is about. Uh, from somebody of uh, Franco's stature, especially on the issues that we touched on. All right, that's our number three of the um, World According to Zig podcast for this week. Make sure you check out our number one, which is the news of the week, and our number two, which is a tremendous interview with the president, speaking of Glenn Beck, the president of Glenn Beck's media organization after they announced a massive layoff this week, uh, doing an exclusive interview with him in our number two. And so until next week, as always, I only ask two things of you. Make sure that you share this podcast via word of mouth or social media, Facebook, Twitter, what have you. That's all we ever ask because I do this for free. And if you like it, the only way people are going to know about it is if you tell somebody else about it. And uh, number two, do yourself a favor. And if you're one of those people who sleeps and when you sleep, you use sheets, make sure you pay attention to this important message. My name is John Ziegler. Our website is freespeechbroadcasting.com. Coffee? Oh, thanks. How did you sleep? Like a baby. I don't want to get out of bed. Ever. These sheets are mm, incredibly soft. What did you say they're called again? Performance bedding by Sheiks. (laughs) Performance bedding? (laughs) Yeah. They're made from super high-tech performance fabric. They're incredibly breathable, so you're not waking up at night throwing covers off and then an hour later throwing them back on. Huh. No wonder I slept so good. Since I started using Sheiks, I sleep like a baby. No more sweaty nights for me. No? Well. (laughs) Well, I like them because they're soft. They feel like, mm, silk. Performance fabric, huh? Maybe we should... Oh, I don't know. Try them out again. (laughs) (laughs) Comfort and performance for better sleep. That's Sheiks. S-H-E-E-X. Sheiks. Try Sheiks for 30 nights risk-free. Go to sleepcoolnow.com. Use promo code 1212 and get $40 off any sheet set. That's sleepcoolnow.com, promo code 1212. Sleepcoolnow.com, 1212.